okay? I just miss her so much. Who? What happened? Darla. Darla? She would have loved being in this episode. Well, maybe not this episode, but don't worry. You'll see Darla again. No, she's gone. He staked her. I saw it. Oh, honey, no, this is the Buffy-verse. No one stays dead. Except Tara. Lonnie? I'm just gonna need a minute. Welcome to Still Pretty, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast. I'm story expert Lonnie Diane Rich of Chipperish Media. And I am sparklingly normal... Film scholar Noelle LaCroix. <laughs> We're here today to talk about I Robot You Jane, the eighth episode of season one. I Robot You Jane was written by Ashley Gable and Thomas A. Swyden, who will return as a team to write Out of Mind, Out of Sight later this season. This episode was directed by Stephen L. Posey, and this is the only episode of Buffy he will direct. A warning before we begin, every episode of Still Pretty talks about each episode within the greater context of all of Buffy. And as such is fully spoiled. All right, let's go on patrol. I, Robot Eugene opens in 15th century Italy with a demon named Moloch the Corrupter demanding love from his followers and then destroying them to increase his own power. So, you know, your standard malignant narcissist. A monk manages to pull the demon's essence into a book and then stores it away in a box because that always works. And guess which unassuming high school library it ends up in? Oh, great. A book. Computer science teacher Jenny Callender taunts Giles with modern technology, then leaves Willow to scan the books, which she does, inadvertently releasing the demon Moloch into the Internet. Posing as a teenage boy named Malcolm, he starts flirting with Willow, raising Buffy's suspicions. Malcolm said you wouldn't understand. Malcolm was right. Moloch starts drawing in techie boys Fritz and Dave, who start acting weird. While Buffy follows Dave to a computer research lab, Moloch flirts with Willow and knows things about Buffy he shouldn't know. Dave sends Buffy to the locker room to talk to Willow, and Fritz tries to electrocute her in the shower, but Dave warns her before she gets seriously hurt. Buffy, get out! Moloch gets Fritz to kill Dave, making it look like a suicide, while Giles puts the pieces together and realizes that Willow scanned a demon into the internet. When they try to delete the file, Moloch stops them, and then Buffy goes to the computer lab to look for Willow, but finds Dave's body instead. Dave. He's dead. How? Well, it looked like suicide. With a little help from my friends? Willow goes home to an empty house and ignores her email, at which point Fritz knocks her out with chloroform. While Xander and Buffy head to Willow's house, Giles tries to figure out a binding ritual and calls Jenny Callender in for help catching Moloch. There's a demon in the internet. I know. While Jenny and Giles try to figure out a way to get Moloch back into the book, Xander and Buffy hightail it to the computer research lab where Willow's being held by Moloch, whose essence has been transferred into a robot body by mesmerized scientists. Moloch kills Fritz and then tries to woo Willow. I brought these humans together to build me a body, but you gave me life, took me out of the book that held me. I want to repay you. By lying to me? By pretending to be a person? Pretending you loved me? 
Giles and Jenny start the binding spell on the internet as Buffy and Xander are trapped in a room with poisonous gas flowing into it. Moloch tries to convince Willow to love him, but she resists, and he does not take rejection well. But I love you. Don't say that. That's a joke. You don't love anything. You are mine. I'm not yours. I'm never going to be yours. Never. Just as Moloch is about to kill Willow, the binding spell works and Moloch is weakened. Giles commands Moloch out of the internet and Buffy and Xander run into the room and run out with Willow. Moloch, still alive in the robot body, tries to punch Buffy, but she moves out of the way and he ends up smashing his fist into an electrical box. He's electrocuted. At school the next day, Giles and Jenny flirt while Xander, Willow, and Buffy contemplate the romantic implications of life on the Hellmouth. Let's face it, none of us are ever going to have a happy, normal relationship. We're doomed. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so Noelle, I, Robot, you, Jane, this is going to be fun. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This episode, here's the thing. Like, usually when an episode is bad, Mm -hmm. um, it it ends up sparking so much discussion. And I find that some of the, like, worst episodes end up being some of the best episodes of the show that discusses them. You know, we get into some really interesting questions. There's always crunchy stuff there. Sure. Um, There's lots of stuff to work with. Um, And I, Robot, you, Jane, I think it's not so much bad as it is... Uh, just incredibly boring. Like I was watching this and I was thinking, is do I have anything at all interesting to say about this episode? And I really, really don't. <laughs> yeah, I really wanted to say something smart and insightful about how there's deeper meaning and the toxic dude and the internet, which mm-hmm. I mean, lately, but <laughs> mm-hmm. sure, I, there's, sure, there's just not a lot. There's not a lot to say there. Um, yeah, there's not a lot of there there in iRobot. Not a lot of there. I mean, we do have some toxic dudes. Um, right. We have the first internet trolls. So right, that's kind of fun. Right. right. Um, oh, it's too bad he's not a literal troll. I know. Wouldn't that have been awesome? An internet troll who was a literal troll. Who Come was on. A literal troll. That would have been so prescient. There's actually a fair amount of prescience in this episode, which I think is really great. But um, why don't we get started? There was a discussion that you and I were having kind of off mic, right? Yeah. About gendered language. We've been we've been doing a lot of gendered language uh, while talking about things here. And I try to be careful about that because it's not only women who are abused. It's not only women who are victims and that kind of thing. So when we talk about these things, I kind of try to spread it out. But you had some really good insights into that. So why don't we go ahead and, and start with that? as a generic discussion, and then we'll come back to this episode. All right. I've been thinking about the the gendered language that we sometimes use, um, mm-hmm. and it comes up, I think it comes up mostly when we're talking about predatory behavior, mm-hmm. um, and especially around things like sexual assault, either implicitly, I mean, in the way that certain characters joke or um, are relating to the bodies and experiences of other characters. Mm-hmm. Um or explicitly, like in the pack, where Hyena Xander attempts to rape Buffy. Yeah. And when we talk about these things, I mean, we tend to say men and women. Um, yeah. When what we're talking about is perpetrators and victims, right? And mm-hmm. we point that out. Um, but I think a piece that 
we're missing with this whole Mm -hmm. gendered language conversation is that when we use gendered language, it's political. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's important. The the gendered language is important to the topic. Yeah. So I have been on Everyone I Know um, to watch Cameron Esposito's comedy special Rape Jokes. Mm -hmm. And I totally get not wanting to watch that based on the title. Um, Right. For what it's worth, it's about a lot more than just sexual assault and the Me Too Mm -hmm. movement, although, of Mm -hmm. course, she does cover that. But one of the things that I really like um, that she does, something she does so beautifully in this routine is outline why she's using female pronouns when talking about targets of abuse. Mm -hmm. She says she's using gendered language, and I'm quoting her here, because patriarchy is involved in what I'm talking about. So I'm using those words as political terms. Mm -hmm. So when you and I talk about men and women in the context of Buffy, um, especially in conjunction with rape, sexual assault and rape culture, we are talking about societal constructs under the patriarchy and not, say, individual listeners in our audience, Um, (laughs) some of whom may or may not be men. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Mm-hmm. It's entirely yeah, possible. No. Yeah, I understand. I, I think that's completely right. Like that absolutely makes sense. And that's why most of the time when I talk about it, I try to acknowledge the gendered language, but I will still use, you know, women and men and, and female pro- pronouns and all that kind of stuff. Um, but the thing is, for me, like, you know, having been a victim of this, of this exact thing, mm-hmm. um, I sympathize a lot with Um, people who are victims and men who are victims of this stuff are um, typically it it has this emasculating effect. Like if they admit that they've been through this stuff, they're not real men, that men can avoid being victims, but women can't. Um, So there are things Mm -hmm. involved in that that I have objections to. I think that recently Terry Crews uh, coming out talking about his, the sexual abuse that he endured um, has been incredibly empowering. Uh, So the only thing like I completely agree with all of those points, but the only thing I don't want to do is I don't want to contribute to this idea that a that men can't be victims Mm -hmm. um that b that it makes them less of men if they are victims um and that they are any victim is absolutely included in everything that we're talking about here like there is there's space any victim has space with me you know uh, to talk about that experience and to be validated in that experience so um i see both sides of it yeah but i do feel like i want to be very careful that any man who happens to be in the audience who hears, you know, this this discussion does not feel in addition to whatever he's experienced as a victim, right? Um, and as a survivor, um, yes. doesn't feel excluded from the empathy, doesn't feel, you know, doesn't feel like there's no space for him to have his experience validated. So, um, so that's kind of like where I feel flip back and forth on this. And I think it's just something that we're going to acknowledge as we move forward that anybody listening should know if you are a victim, regardless of your gender, you know, wherever your gender identity falls, um, there is a space for you in this discussion. And in no way are we excluding you. That said, the, you know, the idea of this being political and about the patriarchy, I think has extreme value, because let's face it, most victims are women. Mm-hmm. Most victims have this experience at the hands of men. 
who are most of the perpetrators. Like that's mostly where it comes from. And the reason why we have that is simply because of the power dynamics that are installed because of the patriarchy. So these are important things that we do need to acknowledge uh, while at the same time making room for anybody who is a victim or a survivor. Absolutely. And and simply the fact that we, the this perception is that if a man is assaulted, that he is somehow less of a man. Right. That mm-hmm. being, that having someone prey upon you mm-hmm. um, reduces you, not just as a human, but as a man. I mean, we talk about that um, in the context of Buffy, that there's this hierarchy mm-hmm. of humanity, at least in Xander's yes. mind, when he mm-hmm. says that Cordelia doesn't acknowledge him as a person. Um or doesn't but even ta- worse as a man, yes. right? Like he he equates being acknowledged as a man more important than being acknowledged as a person. Yes. And yeah, and I mean, that is a patriarchal idea too. The mm-hmm. idea that you're less of a man if you've been assaulted, that comes from the patriarchy. So you are also a victim of the patriarchy Absolutely. even as a man. Yes. Men are victims of it too. Yes. You know? Which yeah. is exactly, yeah, That and that was exactly what I wanted to get at, not mm-hmm. in the... Um, you know, we're not using gendered language to erase anyone or anyone's experience, um, but that the patriarchy itself tends to erase these yes. experiences. Oh, absolutely. Especially um, uh, the patriarchy loves to erase the ways in which um, it fails men, right? Yes. Because, of course, you know, of course, the... Uh, the system says that if you are a man, you are the greatest and best thing. But that's not really true because you really have to be a white man and mm-hmm. middle to upper middle class and, yep. you know, on and on and on and on. So, I mean, and this is why we talk about intersectionality. Mm-hmm. It We can't talk only about sexism. We can't talk only about um, racism or violence against LGBTQIA plus people. Did I get Mm -hmm. them all? (laughs) I don't know, but we mean to get them all. I always say LGBTQ plus because I just can't. I I, I mean to I mean to embrace every identity across the thing. But after a while, it becomes a little bit um, onerous to like make sure. So we always mean to get them all. We mean everyone. We are including everyone. It's just hard to, to, to list them all sometimes and know which ones need to be mentioned and I, I'm sure I missed some and, and that's never the intention. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> it's all good. But um, yeah, so smash the patriarchy. <laughs> yeah, <more>. basically. <laughs> smash, smash the patriarchy. It's damaging to everybody. Mm-hmm. Like any any system that relies on uh, the belief in a hierarchy of human value, um, regardless of where you place that hierarchy, um, is something that hurts everybody involved. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody involved is diminished by that. Um, and I think it's something that we're, you know, we're making a lot of progress on, you know, in recent years, which is really, really good. But that progress is dependent upon us talking honestly about these things and, and paying attention to the ways in which we use language, the ways in which we talk about these things because a lot of these presumptions are so invisible they're just given to us when we're too young to know to reject the premise Mm -hmm. so we accept these things and it becomes internalized and sometimes you don't realize it you know Mm -hmm. so it it is important to talk about it it is important to pay attention to the language that we use and so we just wanted to basically have that discussion so that you guys know what our intention is 
you know, and why, you know, we're using the language that we use because it's, it's really important. Um, and that all taken care of, that all discussed. Um, I guess we should talk about like the episode. Yeah. Maybe? Yeah, I sure. guess. You know. All right. Um, so, so where are we going to start? Oh, gosh. Um, yeah, I got nothing. Let's talk about. <laughs> no, I got nothing. Let's. Uh, so we introduce we introduce a new character. Yes. Who, uh, yeah, we've got Jenny Callender yeah. coming in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> How do you yeah. feel about Jenny Callender, Alani? <laughs> I don't. Okay, here's the thing. Um, I don't like Jenny Callender. Um, I do like the role that she plays later on. I do like that she expands Giles' mm-hmm. world a little bit. Um, but that's like a season two thing. Yeah. Like, you know. Um, right now, what she is is the sassy, challenging. She's she's basically a stereotype as opposed to a real character. I also do not particularly care for Robia Lamort's performance mm-hmm. um, and portrayal of Jenny Callender. She does this thing that I've seen a lot in female characters um, where it's like, it's so self-aware. Look at me being so sassy. Like, mm. and, and she's being incredibly rude to Giles. Um, she's, and he's not being rude to her. He just doesn't like computers. He doesn't like technology. And she is treating him like he's stupid. She's talking down to him. She's, instead of saying, hey, but here's another way to look at it. Like, right. this is what I love. Instead of being like, this this is what I love about it. Let me share that with you. Mm-hmm. It's like, you're really stupid for not loving this thing. Let me tell you why. Mm-hmm. And it's that difference that um, makes me really, she's like, she's like nails on a chalkboard for me. Every scene she's in. And I've always, I've wanted to like her. I've wanted desperately to like her. I like her in season two right before she bites it. Yeah. There's some there's some good vulnerability from her there. Um, she is trying to do the right thing, but she's already caught up in what she's been doing all along. And so there's all that sort of stuff that comes in season two where I actually do start to like her right before, you know, Angelus kills her, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, there's that. But this stuff I don't enjoy at all. Yeah. No, I I agree with you completely. She is so hostile right from Mm -hmm. the get-go. And I know that that is a word that gets hurled at women uh, more than it does at men. And see what I did there? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Bringing it back. Political terms. This is what we're doing. But but it really feels like there's no reason for it. Mm -hmm. Um, Except to maybe suggest that she's part of the problem in the episode. But... I mean, here's the thing about the problem in the episode. I don't love it when the audience knows what's up and then we just have to wait for the characters to figure it out. Yeah. I yeah. Feel- well, I mean, that's, you know, dramatic irony. Yeah. When, the, um, when the audience knows something that the characters don't, uh, then that gives us dramatic irony. We have to wait for them to figure it all out. And there's that. Um, so that's like a, a well-known device. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily bother me. But I think that like it can like any device for writing, it can be used well and it can be used poorly. Um, and I'm not sure it necessarily serves this, uh, you know, this story. Well, although this story isn't served, I think, by anything. <laughs> <laughs> Except Giles. Like, I love Giles in this story. I love the way that he, um, he is really the example of 
you know, how he, he stays faithful to the things that he loves and the reason why he loves them. I mean, he does call it like the idiot box or the demon box <laughs> or this dread machine and all that kind of stuff. And I, I appreciate that, but it's never, he doesn't slam Jenny. Like they right. have this argument back and forth in which she is actively aggressive and really uh, absolutely hostile towards him. And he just simply defends his position, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, and he, you know, and I think that part of it is that they're building up this romance with Giles and Jenny. Yeah. And so they want, they want to have that. There's uh, people just love a bickering romance, right? Yeah. But a romance isn't good until people work together. And at the point where they're working together, where he says, oh, there's a demon and she goes, I know. And she's a techno pagan. I'm like, all right. Yes. All right. I'm here for this. Like, I like the idea of the techno pagan. Yeah. I like the fact that she knows all this stuff. I like the fact that she's there on the hell mouth. I like that she has resources to, to figure this out and help him with that. When they're working together, I like it. When they're bickering, I hate the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't, it's this imbalanced force with their energies and not in a way that works for me. I think that that can work. You know, I, the only way that I make her hostility work is to headcanon this whole backstory about how she's way insecure because, you know, she comes to this Hellmouth library and here's this librarian and oh my gosh, he's so dreamy and I have to work with him, but I can't have feelings for somebody right. I work with. And But it's so high school. It and really we're in is, a high yeah. school environment, but she's an adult. Yes. Like she should be, you know, but I, I mean like, I, I, and I think that this performance comes from that sense of insecurity. I think that this, you know, um, this self-aware aren't I so cute as I slam everything that you believe in you know um like all of that speaks absolutely to insecurity and the way that it's played is insecure and I think that's part of the reason why it it bugs me because it's like okay you know grow up just a little bit and especially because we've had this you know we've talked about grown women in the Buffyverse are not really you know batting a thousand here it's not good you know they're not even batting 500 and so we've got Jenny who appears to be like a good you know woman for a given value of good Mm -hmm. right you know right um grown woman she's still extremely immature in a lot of ways and she's got a lot of insecurities and it's and it's all coming out in this way that is is really really uncomfortable um but she's capable you know, she's not evil. Right. She's able to help Giles. And again, like I said, they work really well together toward the end of the episode, which I like a lot. So, I mean, we're, we're getting, I think, closer yeah. to a positive, grown, you know, uh, female role model. But uh, we're not exactly getting there yet. Yeah. I mean, she knows she she's knowledgeable. She knows. Yeah. And she knows the students, too. She knows who Buffy is. Yeah. She knows, you know, she knows that Buffy's not supposed to be in the computer lab at that particular mm-hmm for that particular period of her day. Um, right. She notices that Buffy and Xander are in the library a lot. She knows mm-hmm. that there's a demon in the internet and she knows her demons. Yep. I really, yeah. really enjoyed that when not only does she know that there's yes. a demon in the internet, but then she's got this whole mental Rolodex of demons yeah. that she's going through. The capability. Yeah. Capability and- is always awesome. Yep. I love capability. And when we see that in Jenny, it speaks well for her. You know, it does it does more for her that I like it. But then we end on this stupid note. You know, um, I don't dangle a corkscrew from my ear or that's not where I dangle it. She says, yeah, Um, you know, and it's uh, what is that like? Rar. First of all. Yeah, right. Exactly. 
Wow. Oh, she's sassy. She's so... Right. And that's supposed to be sexy. But I mean, if you're thinking about where are you going to dangle that kind of thing? Like there's various places on a woman's body that she might pierce for a number of different reasons. But the only place that she could get away with that while uh, wearing it, like can't be from her nipples because that's a huge dangling corkscrew, right? <laughs> so it would have to be from her, you know, what? I mean, like, you know, her, from her labia or whatever, in which case she's not wearing underwear, which is also like supposed to be this sexy thing and a short skirt and apparently it fell off while she was in the library and how do you uh, what yeah <laughs> how do you why would you what is that i mean what? you know everybody's everybody's got their own thing like you know i'm not i'm not gonna judge <laughs> but but somebody chose to write this particular thing into a script and then as you wonder about it and your mind ticks through all the possible places that she could have a worn it and b had it fall off in the library and what the circumstances would be for that it brings you to this whole place that i don't think speaks well for jenny no you know no, and it doesn't like i and it doesn't speak well for the way that the the writers see her that is a very like high school fantasy Ooh, she's dangling it mm. from a sassy place uh-huh. you know like yeah. not wearing underwear and it's it's this it's this very like the male gaze in in concept yes you know if not Mm -hmm. in action and it's just it's really uncomfortable yeah yeah she's got this whole they're they're trying to do this whole she's so edgy thing with her you know with her leather jacket and her way she's so relaxed around the students like she's very she's got this kind of relaxed and groovy vibe in the way she talks to the students and it's not I feel like they're trying to make a bad girl. I'm using air quotes, yeah. but you know, a bad girl, but a good bad girl. Right. And no, it's not. And that's the thing. It becomes a stereotype and she's not a character. Yeah. You know, she's this cardboard stand up of, you know, what, who's the, the sexy computer science teacher that's going to, you know, win Giles heart. Yeah. You know? And the thing is, is that while we present her as a romantic foil for Giles, right, you know, that he, she's his opposite and yet they're, you know, attracted to each other. Giles is still grounded and balanced and, you know, um, respectful, Mm -hmm. you know, even when he's when he's talking about the things that he doesn't like about technology, and he's defending his position, he's respectful about it. Um, So yeah, I don't know it. uh, It's just like it's it's I like that Giles is going to be having an adult to hang out. Yes, except that she doesn't read as an adult. She doesn't read as a person. She reads as a, you know, a compilation of of quirks and male gaze, you know, made into something that that is is somewhat human and yet not. Yeah. You know, so it's it's really flat. It's really stereotypical. It's not enjoyable and it's not worthy of Giles. Like I want Giles to have a woman who is worthy of him. And this isn't it. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> so it's 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 not good. Um, okay, so the other thing that I had from this episode to talk about um is the the technology. Yes. The the prescience of the ways in which they talked about technology in this episode I thought were really, really interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, we have Jenny saying in the last two years more email has been sent than regular mail, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, 
Oh, isn't that sweet? Oh, here we go. Was, yeah. As here we are 20 years later with the Postal Service basically like, just send something. <laughs> just write somebody a letter, please, because <laughs> we're going to fall apart. Um, you know, uh, the 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 kid Fritz, who's so incredibly and, and I mean, Fritz is also this uh, stereotype of the, you know, the kid in his mother's basement, just obsessed with the computers yeah. and all that kind of stuff, which is completely stupid. But he's also got but that like, kind of Hitler youth thing going for him. He does. He's, he does. And also being called Fritz makes me feel like that Hitler youth vibe may be a little more textual and deliberate yeah. than we intended. Yeah. You know? um, so that feels a little bit weird. But it's like the only reality is virtual. If you're not jacked in, you're not alive. Like nobody speaks like that. A kid doesn't speak like that. That's nuts. Yeah. Know? He was. So even at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Fritz was way too written. And I think in a story where we didn't know that there was a demon mm-hmm. in the Internet, that it might be. He might have been a a kind of a red herring for, oh, it's the creepy, it's the creepy, you know, culty sort of kid. But we know right. that. Oh, but yeah. now you're talking about Hitler Youth, right? Yeah. We've got the the kid with his messed up paper. It says Nazi Germany was the model of a well ordered society. Who wrote that? I didn't write that. Yeah. I mean, um, uh, yeah. I feel like I saw that on Twitter last week, though. That right. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, yeah. Trump Trump tweeted that. I think. Yeah. yeah. Jeez. Mm-hmm. <laughs> God. Okay, that's depressing. Let's not go into reality. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> let's go back to 1996, right? <laughs> oh, do you remember modems? Do you remember oh, when I you were do. online and you couldn't make a phone call because you couldn't make a phone yeah, call? Yeah, your line I was. Yeah. And you would. So you get online for like an hour, mm-hmm. you know, and then you'd. I mean, yeah, like I remember all of that. And it's so, it's so crazy. <laughs> like you see the difference in. The technology and the thing is like this is something that honestly is just a me thing, you know, but every time and anybody's listened to me for any period of time knows that every time there's old technology that shows up, I'm always like, oh, my God, look at the computer. You know, um, they were so cute. You know, the guy with his little word processor that had that little half screen yes. flip up like I had one of those, you know, I went to college with one of those. Fancy. Um, it was. Yeah. Right. You know, I mean, it was crazy. So I look at all this stuff and I'm just like, man. You know, it's uh, the way the technology has moved and how quickly it has moved and the ways in which it has transformed um, our society and, you know, globalized everything. And I mean, it is it is I think this era is the most transformative in all of human history Mm -hmm. as far as how much has changed and how fast it has all changed. I think it's part of the reason why people are freaking out. Um, But uh, but it's it's just fascinating when you go back and you see you know at the beginning what people saw how they looked at that kind of stuff and how like truly prescient it was we have this surveillance society right where Moloch mm-hmm. is able to watch them through cameras listening to conversations you know um, Jenny who says you think that knowledge should be kept in these carefully guarded repositories where only a handful of white guys can get at it which by the way yeah I mean that's kind of like what the, the standard power right. structure is really trying to do is trying to limit access to knowledge and, and opportunity for you know for basically everybody but the white guys mm-hmm. you know um, so it's uh, it's really interesting to kind of to see um to see all this at the moment where Buffy turns off the water and she says that's how droughts get started which of course in California yeah. you know last year we had those horrible horrible droughts um, and uh, this idea that you know Xander's like he's in a computer what can he do yeah you know and Buffy's like access launch codes for our nuclear missiles and everybody's like whoa <laughs> <you know? laughs> 
so I mean, like all of these things that technology that we've kind of we've kind of seen, you know, come to pass were were in this episode, like they did see a lot of where this stuff was going. And I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, and even within the episode, technology grows over the course of mm -hmm. the story. I mean, we start out with, yeah. you know, Moloch gets scanned into the computer um, mm -hmm. and then he's just text on a screen. And then yeah. he's text interacting with others on the screen. And then we have that really odd scene. It feels odd to me. Yes. Willow <laughs> talking to the computer. Like she's messaging with Moloch. Right. And the computer is talking to her now. And she's talking right. back to I think it. And a... I just... I mean, I I think that's a POV thing. Yeah. I think that's where like what they're doing, what they're actually doing is typing. But because we're so deep in her POV, we are experiencing the conversation in that way. Right. You know, because that's how you experience when you're texting back and forth with somebody you hear if you know their voice, you hear their voice, mm -hmm. you know, when they're when they're texting you stuff. So um, so that like I understood that's kind of a, a device of, you know, a visual medium. Sure. You know, sometimes you got to like you got to bend it a little bit to to get get at what it feels like, not necessarily what it is. Right. But and that's that's what you're going for. Yeah. And that but that presence grows. Yeah. So he's mm -hmm. you know, he he becomes as Moloch becomes more a part of the high school. Yeah. And we start mm -hmm. to see, you know, well, like when Dave goes into the computer lab and just starts screaming at the computer, he's not even mm -hmm. typing anymore. He's yeah. just talking to the computer and the computer's talking back to him. Mm -hmm. It really, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. it feels like, all right, we've we've gotten past the need to even type or or sit. Right. You know, I'm just talking mm -hmm. and this machine just, is I'm talking back to me. Head. Right. So no, it's interesting. And then we have that weird thing, right, where they're trying to delete the file. Yeah. And then you see this, you know, like um, this image of Moloch as he jumps on the screen and you see his face leave really yeah. alone, you know, and then we get this whole weird thing, right, where at the end, like he he throughout the thing, even in the 15th century, right, we see him, he has these followers, the followers love him, and then he kills. Yeah, them, right. Um, I just want your adoration and then yeah, you know, kills them. Um, so with Willow, though, he does seem to say that because she was the one who freed him, that he has a sense of debt and gratitude and that he genuinely has feelings for her, right? And I don't know that he's trying to convince her of that because he needs her to love him before he kills her, if there's something mm. in that. Um, but it does seem like he's trying to make an argument for him actually loving her. Yeah. Um, which is weird. It's really weird. It's really weird. Yeah. And I don't know what to make of it at all <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah um, yeah but she stands up to him like i know crazy i yeah. mean and uh, willow i didn't i didn't write notes about willow because i just love willow so much but she's just like an exposed nerve at the beginning mm -hmm. of this episode she's so oh, yeah. vulnerable and then by the end She's fighting him off with the fire extinguisher. And when he knocks it out of her hand, she doesn't back down. He has to pick her up and throw her to get yeah. her to stop fighting him. Right. And she resists him mentally as well, which seems to be the big battle, right? Because 
uh, Fritz and Dave, he took over. Although Dave did stand up to him. Yeah. Like Dave wasn't completely under his power because when it came to hurting Buffy, he was like, she's not a threat to you. Why do you need to hurt yeah. her? You know? So Dave actually had that, um, you know, had the ability to resist him a little bit too mentally mm-hmm. because it does seem like a brainwashing thing. Yeah, it um, really does. And, and Right. And Willow was into it in the beginning, but then he says the stuff about Buffy and she's like, uh, yeah, you shouldn't know that. This is weird. And she gets and she starts distancing herself. She goes home and there's you've got mail, mm-hmm. but she turns it off. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, so she's resisting him mentally, uh, which is something that speaks to her strength and her personal you know, sense of self that she's not going to allow herself to be, you know, manipulated by this guy, mm-hmm. which, you know, I think speaks really well of Willow. Yeah, we've you know, we talk about Shadow Xander, but I think we maybe need to talk about like, I don't know, strong Willow or power. Willow, <laughs> power. <right>? Willow. <laughs> yeah. 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 She, yeah. She's really she's really impressive in this episode, mm-hmm. although the it's funny, her vulnerability about um not being experienced in this in yeah. this area of life um mm-hmm. you know not she says she doesn't have boys chasing after her and mm-hmm. i have to tell you i watched this episode with a boy uh-huh. who was deeply offended on willow's behalf that <laughs> she had not had all of the the lovely humans of all genders fawning over her yes (laughs) he was he was he took that very personally (laughs) oh yeah yeah no but it's i mean willow is is you know tv yeah like you know (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) but uh Mm -hmm. you know she is so she's so good in those moments of you know why won't you let me have this like she's right. having this I really really buy the in love feelings or the in infatuation feelings when we first see mm-hmm. her just sort of dreamily walking through the hallway and Buffy is yeah. you know flitting all around her like a like a bumblebee <laughs> T- right. tell me all about him you know and uh, but I just I love how dreamy this is for her because this is her first connection in this way um, and mm-hmm. it feels really, really, um, I want to say accurate, but it I, I feel like I have felt those feelings. <laughs> so I feel like I have right. seen that in um, in other people. And it's just I love the way that it's portrayed. And then her her not just anger and frustration, but her sadness when Buffy right. starts to question this and. Buffy's being a good friend. You know, how much do you really know about this guy? She's kind Mm -hmm. of in, um, I like Buffy in kind of, you know, mom voice mode. (laughs) Like, Willow, (laughs) come on now. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. But Willow is just fantastic. And she's so, um, she's over and over again, we see her being so courageous and Mm -hmm. um, brave and really willing to just jump into whatever dangerous situation is going on. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, she she is the one who draws Darla's fire away from Buffy. She's the one who tells Buffy that the that it's a trap at the hyena house. She's the one. I mean, over mm-hmm. and over and over again, we see Willow risk her own safety. 
right for her friends and i just think that's phenomenal yeah i mean she's incredibly strong she's incredibly brave with no supernatural element you know yet, yet. right yeah you know, we're gonna see her we're gonna see her pursue supernatural stuff but right now she is the very like you know the kind of the mundane power right the power that comes from um from a personal sense of right and wrong mm-hmm. from loyalty from courage you know um intelligence and capability these are all things that willow brings you know right from the start mm-hmm. and um and she's so great and like her um her whole thing with Xander too yeah she has this crush on Xander but she she never feels like when he likes Buffy she's just like okay you know that's like she's obviously you know wishes that he was into her but she's not jealous and nasty and entitled to his affections she's you know she wants him to have what he wants but she also knows that Buffy is not into Xander so that makes that a little Mm -hmm. bit easier too but she's a really good friend to Xander um in you know in supporting him you know um loving who he loves yeah right and if it's not her it's not her I mean until we get you know later when we get to to the whole Cordelia thing and she's highly offended not because he's with someone else but because he's with Cordelia Cordelia. like she's okay with him choosing Buffy over her because it's Buffy but she's also like, you choose Cordelia over me? Like, no, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so that's really interesting when we get there. Um, but I, the everything about Willow, she is just like such a good, balanced, strong person with a, with a strong sense of herself. Mm-hmm. And I think that that works out really nicely for her. And I love the way that... Um, that we see that within her, like even in her relationship with with this Malcolm, mm-hmm. right? You know, when she believes that he's just a, a guy, yeah. you know, um, but she is still like when he starts acting weird, she notices it and she acknowledges it instead of trying to convince herself that that no, it's fine. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> her relationship with Malcolm reminds me of one of my absolute favorite lines in the whole episode is um he doesn't talk like somebody who would have a hairy back right <laughs> and it's and i cute. have to say i feel like it's great that that is where buffy goes she's searching for sure. something that all the terrible things some, he could what be what terrible right? turn off and of course, right. she goes to his back and we get this great little hint of Buffy's inner life um, yeah. because we know that Buffy has seen Angel's back and it is smooth mm-hmm. and hairless and ripply and tattooed oh, sure. and yes. oh, so dreamy. <laughs> so I love just the little, that little hint of yeah, Buffy's, exactly. you know, yeah, he's a vampire, but he's still a hot vampire. <laughs> Right, but his back is baby butt smooth. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. All right. So um, I guess, like, what what else? Is there anything else that you had in this episode that you liked? We don't have much for notes because we were both so incredibly bored by this episode. um, I I mean, there were a lot of lines. There were a lot of individual lines Mm -hmm. that I liked. Um, When uh, Giles tells Xander and Buffy that, Moloch has been released and Xander says you released Moloch and Buffy goes way to go <laughs> right <laughs> you know they're both gonna come down on Giles for <laughs> exactly <laughs> um yeah I mean and and Giles you know Giles saying or uh 
sorry, Jenny says we need to form a circle and Giles points out that there's just two of them and that's really more of a line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that's very cute. Um, yeah. Oh, and <laughs> I laughed much harder than I probably should have at Xander's little mm-hmm. yelp when he jumps down, he follows Buffy over right. the fence and he jumps <laughs> and he's so graceless and there's this wonderful Aww. pain noise and I just I laughed so hard. It's such a yeah. it's such a real moment. <laughs> it's a nice it's a nice Xander moment. I think that Nicholas Brendan brings a lot to Xander. He really does. You know, that that gives him those like adorable moments, even when Xander, you know, a lot of the times has a lot of shadow elements. There are these cute kind of vulnerable, you know, um, really human moments with Xander that are a lot Yeah, of fun. and they butt right up against those shadow moments. When he, they it's, do, which is why it's all so It's confusing. really tough. When he grabs yeah. Willow and covers her eyes and says, guess who? And she says, Xander. Yeah. And he says, mm-hmm. right, but guess again. And then shortly, <laughs> you know, it's this very cute sort of playful interaction. Mm-hmm. And then right after that, he's pouty about being abandoned because Willow is going right. to go talk to Malcolm and Buffy's going to go slay vampires and why is it you know poor poor me all alone it's like Xander you could get a hobby (laughs) you could sure you could join the AV club you know there's there's (laughs) stuff to do right Um, but yeah Nicholas Brendan is really really good and I think that as much as I dislike Xander I really Mm -hmm. like Xander because the performance is so excellent well, the performance is so good. And when Xander isn't Shadow Xander, like he's adorable. Mm-hmm. You know, he's sweet and he's funny and he's charming and he's, you know, he's just he's Xander. Like he's he's your classic sort of beta male guy, which is something I always fall for. You know, give me sweet and funny and charming and man, I will fall for anything. For the members of the studio <laughs> audience who are me, <laughs> what are we doing? Right. <laughs> It's so cute. He is really, really cute. All right. So did you have anything for the what are you wearing segment talking about the fashion and the costuming choices? A lot of things you see that I never oh, yeah. see. What do we Yeah, got? there's mm-hmm. I mean, there's always on the show, there's lots of mirroring with um, mm-hmm. color. Uh, Buffy wears light blue. Dave wears light blue. And mm-hmm. we get this idea that maybe Dave is not a bad guy. A lot. Um, but right. my mm-hmm. favorite favorite moment of costuming is when Willow tells Buffy about Malcolm she's wearing this shirt with an adorable little robot on it oh it's very cute I didn't notice it's that. very cute yeah yeah um, mm-hmm. but uh yeah there's not not a whole lot here I mean not a I mean, lot in, in the costume yeah Willow yeah. I mean Willow wears a lot of purple in this episode which mm-hmm. might just be you know might be partly that Allison Hannigan looks good in purple, uh, but she wears right. these great purple mm-hmm. tights at one point, And there's a purple, there are a couple purple mm-hmm. sweaters. And of course, you know, as my almost six year old will tell you, purple is a royal color. Oh, it's so, yes. you know, she's <laughs> it's also, you know, it's also a courageous color. So we've got that going mm-hmm. for us. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I really there's not I don't feel like there's a lot of deep meaning in this episode. And in this episode, not a lot. Um, so for Arg the Patriarchy, what do you got for that? <laughs> Which is a real section in our real notes. It's folks. a real section in our notes. Arg oh the Patriarchy. Oh, my God. What do you got? <laughs> okay. All right. 
so, I mean, and when I say that I wanted to say something really, really smart about this episode, <laughs> uh, yes. I wanted to say something about, you know, men, here I go again with uh, mm-hmm. gendered language, men, people being predatory on the internet and yeah. what that, you know, the the various forms that that can take. And um, one of the things that that jumped right out at me was um, Malcolm's message to Willow. He says, no more waiting. I need you to see me. Mm-hmm. And I had this like, Ugh, kind of reaction yeah. to that. And it reminded me of the, the upswing in the online. I mean, the idea of the dick pic as unsolicited, <laughs> unsolicited yeah unsolicited i need you to see me yeah like i think i need to oh god pardon pardon the word choice but i need to insert myself into your experience yes Mm -hmm. i am going Mm -hmm. to i am going to expose you to this whether you want it or not um Right. And I, which is different. Like, yeah. you know, a, a solicited oh, yeah. thing between two consenting adults. Bring them on. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. It is, is specific to the unsolicited dick pic where a, a man feels that he has the right to send, you know, something like that to somebody over the Internet, you know, unrequested. That's not no. OK. No. Yeah. So there's there is that little element of mm-hmm. um prescience in this episode as well the the yeah yeah absolutely you know maybe <laughs> patriarchal prescience yeah. oh my god but but there yeah i go. mean this it is it is a real it continues to be a real phenomenon and i think it mm-hmm. was a, a real fear um in the late 90s when chat rooms were a thing and instant yeah. messaging was and you really could um be talking to just about anybody and some of those anybody's mm-hmm. were not um safe people yeah. so yeah. you know there's that there's that real um fear there and that real threat mm-hmm. yeah do we want to talk about girl power because we, we always want to talk, talk about, about girl power, but we've kind of already hit on it, right? I mean, it's just it's Willow being able to resist where so many other people have not been able to resist, you know, and, and her standing up to Moloch, I think, has been really incredible. Did you see any other girl power in the in the um, I mean, Willow, Willow, always Willow. Something that, that came Willow. up for me while you were talking about how Willow relates to Xander and Buffy was the mm-hmm. realization that. Willow could very easily see Buffy as a threat to her, as a right. as competition for Xander's affection. But right. Willow is nothing but kind and friendly to Buffy. In fact, they're really good friends. I like the way they yeah. are together. Because um, Willow doesn't feel entitled no. to Xander's yeah. affection. And she knows Buffy and Buffy's great and she likes mm-hmm. Buffy. So she's not going to, you know, to be, um, to be possessive yeah. like that, which I think really speaks well of Willow. Yeah. Well, and it's unusual. I mean, in storytelling, yeah. we love, I mean, we love right. to uphold this. Let's go for the conflict wherever mm-hmm. we can get it. And we right. love to uphold mm-hmm. the patriarchal idea that women and girls are always fighting each other. That right. it's, mm-hmm. you know, that if another 
if another woman wants what I want, or if a if a man right. that I want wants another woman, that that woman is my competition, that she's my enemy, mm-hmm. and that is false. Right. That is mm-hmm. not right. You know that that does not have to be the case. But we see so often in storytelling, girls and women pitted against each other in competition, mm-hmm. um, taking out you know, their own internalized misogyny on each other. Um, And I'm not saying Mm -hmm. we don't see that on Buffy. I think that that does happen on Buffy. But Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. Willow, Willow's narrative, you know, her her overarching narrative, I think, is a really interesting one in that regard. Um, Right. You know, and the thing is, if Xander had, you know, asked her out or was having a relationship with her, was hooking up with her and then ignoring her, treating her poorly after having made a promise and a commitment, it would Mm -hmm. be different, right? But this is a situation where she has a crush on him. He's promised her nothing. There's been none of that between them. She understands. And if he wants, and what I really like about it is that it's, it's about when you truly love somebody, you want what's best Mm -hmm. for them you know, and you want what makes them happy. And so she truly loves Xander. You know, Xander has made no promises to her, has made no commitments to her. He's not making out with her in the closet and then ignoring her in the hallway. Like there's none of that abusive kind of stuff that happens in a Mm -hmm. relationship, right? Um, She's, he's her best friend and she loves him and she wants him to be Mm -hmm. happy, you know? And if, if it's not her that makes her happy, then okay. Right. You know, it's not great. She's not happy about it, but she's also not not being entitled to his affections, which is a really interesting foil to the way in which Xander feels completely entitled to Buffy, which also she's done nothing with Mm -hmm. him. She has made him no promises. She's not making out with him in the closet and then ignoring him (laughs) in the hallway. Like there's none of this stuff happening, you know, like it's the same thing. Yet we see these two completely different approaches to it. But part of that too, I think comes from a shadow presumption, Mm -hmm. right? You know, that the shadow presumption is that women are long, you know, suffering and sacrificing and men are entitled. And that's what Mm -hmm. you get. Mm hmm. So, yeah, it's a it's it's a patriarchal kind yeah. of thing. Definitely. Also, I want to hear about these closet makeouts. Tell me more. <laughs> right. Right. No, you know, I'm just that, like, you know, the 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 people that you make out with in high school that you're like not in front of people, you know, like actually that's that's what happens with Cordelia and Xander later, right? right? Making out in the closet, ignoring each other in the hallway, right? Except they're both agreed to that. They're both like, no, this is humiliating for both of us. Right. You know? <laughs> But I mean, that's kind of something that we see <gasps> later on, you know, kind of evolve for uh, Cordelia and Xander. And oh, I can't wait so to look at that. That's going to be so much happen. fun. <laughs> All right. So, Noelle, I robot you, Jane. What's your favorite part? Uh, um, okay. <laughs> My favorite part is Xander. Yay! I know. Say Have what? Fun. Okay. Noelle it. likes Xander. It. So... You know, hang yeah. on. Mm-hmm. Um, Sanders got likable stuff. He's just got problems. He's, yes. I absolutely love it when he is talking to Buffy about Willow and talking to this guy. And, you know, he could be anybody. Why does, you know. Right. Um, and he says, I could be a high school. I could say I'm a high school student. And Buffy says, you are a high school student. And Xander says, I can also say I'm an elderly Dutch woman. And who's to say I'm not if I'm in the elderly Dutch chat room? And and let me just tell you, the elderly Dutch woman catfishing thing has that is so prescient because that is. Such oh, a my thing. God. 
Oh my god, so funny. Yeah. It's adorable. So funny. <laughs> the elderly Dutch chat room. That's just the elderly Dutch chat room. It's yes. very, very cute. Um yeah, so my favorite part is um Giles when he's talking about books and knowledge. Like, you know, we have this whole, you know, technology versus the old mm-hmm. way, you know, kind of argument going on between Jenny and Giles throughout the episode. And Giles is always on the back foot. He's always just made uncomfortable by technology and yet he hasn't really explained why, you know. And then at the end, we have this lovely interaction with him and Jenny, and he says smell is the most powerful trigger to the memory there is. A certain flower or a whiff of smoke can bring up experiences long forgotten. Books smell musty and rich. The knowledge gained from a computer is it has no texture, no context. It's there and then it's gone. If it's to last, then the getting of knowledge should be tangible. It should be smelly. Right. And I don't necessarily agree with that as a thesis statement, but I think that what he's saying is that there's more to the experience of gaining knowledge than just the knowledge itself, Mm -hmm. that there is the context, there is the environment and there's something in the environment for him of the the you know tactile experience, the olfactory experience, you know, the the experience of holding a book. Um, and I, I like the way that he expresses that. I love the way that he expresses that without slamming her, the way that every time she makes one of her points, she's slamming yeah. him and calling him an old fogey and a Luddite yeah. and whatever. And he's just saying, and, and again, this is the thing. This is the difference. When you have a disagreement and you're like, this is why I love it, you know, as opposed to this is why you're an idiot for not right. loving it. That's the argument. Like when you can say, I love this because, Mm -hmm. you know, and just share that with somebody, even though you see that they don't see things the same way, it opens up a discussion and a disagreement in a way that that slamming somebody for not agreeing with you shuts everything Mm -hmm. down. You know, this is why I believe in this. This is why this has meaning to me, you know, and I think that that's actually something that we can bring into, you know, the kinds of discussions that we're having, you know, just in general in our culture today is that it's not like you're an idiot, you're terrible, you know, you're all of these horrible things. It's I believe in this because, yes, you know, this is why this is important to me. I think it's a much more compelling way to make an argument. Um, and it's also a much more inviting way for people to understand where you're coming. Oh, from, absolutely. You know, so um, so I kind of I loved that moment with Giles. And I thought it was just beautifully done. And of course, Anthony Stewart had is just a genius every moment he's on screen. I love He's him. wonderful. And he's so, Giles is so poetic in that moment and so romantic, which is a nice Mm -hmm. counterpoint to Miss Calendar with her, you know, her sort of tough, mean. Yeah. I don't know. She's her snarky. Yeah, her snarky bullshit. And he is, I mean, Mm -hmm. talk about vulnerability. I mean, loving something so deeply and um, in such a sensory way. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. It is really wonderful. All right, that's it for today. To join in the discussion on Twitter, follow Lonnie at Lonnie Diane Rich and me at Noella Loud and use the hashtag StillPretty. You can also visit the Chipperish forums. Go to chipperish.com, click on forum and join in the fun. Or you can keep Chipperish Media going to the tune of a dollar a month or more and gain access to the live chat in Discord where you can hang out with me and Noelle and all the Chipperish patrons who can command a demon out of the internet without breaking a sweat. Visit patreon.com slash chipperish to find out more. 
You can also show your support for Still Pretty by going to Apple Podcasts and giving us a review. That is one of the most effective ways to show support for your favorite podcasts. Or you can use your social media platform of choice to tell your friends. Word of mouth is a powerful thing. Yes, it is. And we'll be back next time with The Puppet Show, the ninth episode of season one. Until then, none of us are ever going to have a normal, healthy relationship. We're doomed. (laughs) 